Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. When people were asked about their favorite season, it's interesting that we determine and how we determine our favorite season. Most people say they have seasonal preferences directly tied to how much time they can spend outside in that season okay. and if they have hobbies in that season. So, right. So, for example, uh, fall turns out to be the favorite for most people just because the weather is not too hot, it's not too cold, you can do things outside. I was surprised that, of course, that being the favorite. Yeah, you think winter, summer would be number one. Yeah, no, like when it's lined up, winter is the, the least favorite. Right. Then summer. Right. Then spring because of seasonal allergies. And then fall being the favorite. Winter, uh, although the least favorite, those who like ski. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Right. Uh, I was surprised that summer is the next one that people hate. We just hate the heat. So many of us just hate the heat. People love spring more than summer. Yeah, yeah. It's just so wet and stinky. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then fall being the favorite. Now, I'm fine with fall. I know there's a coziness to it, and I get that. But I hate it because I know what's coming. Right. I hate the fact that it's looming. Yeah. It's it, it represents the end of something yeah. too. Right. Yeah. You know, the end of a fun summer mm. and the beginning of a dreary winter. And people go, I'm just cozy with my sweater. Yeah. No, you no can thanks. have your sweater. Yeah. <laughs> Choke on your sweater. <laughs> and as far as I'm concerned, they can drink lattes year round. Mm. Right? You, know, you want to put pumpkin spice yeah. in it, go ahead. Yeah, and our, and our summer is so, so short, you know, that, uh, I mean, I get it. It gets really hot, and I understand that, but it's... It's summer. It's so, it's flip-flops and shorts and T-shirts. It's so easy to come and go. And there's, you know, think about the wintertime and the effort it takes even to get out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> Boots and hats and gloves and Shoveling scraping driveways and yeah. Oh, it's a nightmare. I, 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 uh, I'm finding as I'm aging, I'm hating winter more and more. I, I think it's becoming, I think, pretty obvious to me that I'm going to have to find a way. You mean a snowbird? I'm going to have to do something. Yeah. I mean, even if it's living in a box somewhere in the... Uh, and in you the, and Maria can survive in a double-wide... Uh... <laughs> in the Caribbean somewhere. <laughs> I might have to skip over America because it's just a, it's just a poop show down there right now. So I don't know that I could spend uh, the winter, say, in Florida... Uh, it just seems to be an ins insane at this stage. But, uh, yeah, somewhere. I've spent a little time looking online. You know, you can you can rent tiny little getaway places in, like, Jamaica and other places for, for the winter. Right. For not that much money. Uh-huh. I think that's in my future. Because uh, between January and April can just eat me. Yeah. You know, it's the worst. Yeah, it's an, uh, it's an ugly time. It really is. <laughs> Like, I don't understand how any retirees, you know, if, they're, if they have the means. I mean, a lot of people just can't afford it. Right. That, that, that's, I understand totally. But if you have the means to leave this hideous weather in the wintertime and go somewhere south and you don't, you stay in your house, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I don't know. Because, like, my first thought is, you know, the isolation, I guess, if you go and, you know, you're on your own. Mm. Uh, just either yourself or just the two of you, and and you're you're in a in a new place, foreign place. Uh, maybe there's some concerns that way, or health concerns, right? Just the healthcare system, sure, of wherever you're going. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, you're kind of isolated if you're stuck in the in the snow, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. crammed into your spot anyway. My parents did what so many uh, do when they hit retirement in that they sold their house out of Brampton and then they moved up north. This thing of getting out of the city and getting right. away, okay. it is so isolated. My, they hated it. Right. Because it's great in the summer. You're near a lake. It's lovely. It's beautiful. But... February up in Minden is no fun. (laughs) Well, this will be interesting if uh, our prime minister does as it's believed he will do and tell federal employees, and this isn't just the people who work in Ottawa, this is anybody that works within a federally regulated uh, business, the radio game being one of them, uh, that if you're not vaccinated uh, by uh, the end of the month, you could find yourself and in an uh, unpaid leave situation, that means no more paychecks, even if you're working from home. <clears throat> and if you think that all oh, the government is just coming down heavy handed more and more all the time, this was in the works even before the election. They yeah. had said this. The liberals had said this is something that they were considering doing. And the NDP had backed them on this. Of course, the conservatives did not. So this has been brewing for a while and it looks like it's finally going to happen. Yeah, I mean, there's unions involved with this, and they're part of the consultations uh, as they draft the policy. They've been drafting this policy. Um, And and interesting the timing of this, too, because, you know, it really does take uh, about five weeks to be fully vaccinated, Mm -hmm. right? You get your first shot, you got to wait three weeks, you get your second shot, and then you got to wait two weeks before you're you know considered fully vaccinated right. at that point. So uh, you're talking about a five-week window, and if this were to go in at the end of this month, mm. it would mean that if you haven't gone in for your first shot yet, you'll likely be missing a paycheck if you're in a federally regulated uh, business. It's also interesting that it would, it would also mean anyone on a plane or train. Yeah. Um, you know, because although, and, and this is an interesting one, because you're not at that point an employee, of, of uh, this, you don't have to be an employee of an airline to fly on an airline. But uh, they're saying that the policy, because it would apply to all federally re- regulated businesses, that it would uh, also impact travel within the country. It's a really interesting time. You know, we've uh, we've had the vaccine now for a long time, and I know a lot of people were hesitant early on, and many many have come around to, to get it. But there are those who are still. There's, there's a line in the sand I will not cross. And, and I just wonder, like, in, in families when, say, one has gotten the vaccine but the other is still anti, like, the the kind of the just the heaviness of that in your home constantly. Mm. The idea now, and I couldn't imagine, somebody has a family they need to support and they would still say no on principle even when a paycheck is involved. Seems absolutely shocking to me, but there are still going to be. We're never going to be a hundred percent vaccinated. No, no, no. Those well, and and listen, there are some who have legitimate accommodations that they can't do that. But it's interesting because, and this has come up in in the legislature this week. The the, the really the accommodation for not getting it, the medical exemption, mm. is if you've had a reaction to the first one, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, you know, there are you can do it at in hospital and get your vaccination there, St. Mike's or Sunnybrook. And they'll oversee it right. to make sure, you know, if you've got you know, allergies and you're, you're worried about that, they'll oversee it to make sure you're ready to go and, and uh, there's help there should you have an allergic reaction to it. But, you know, to get that exemption, you still have to get the first shot. Right. And, and, and um, 
so, you know, the exemptions will be an interesting uh, question about this. They're even saying, uh, you know, federal, federal federal employees who work out of the country mm. will actually have to do this as well. If you're in a if you're a federal employee, it'd be basically tied to your paycheck. Yeah, religious exemptions as well. So uh, there there might be a big flight to the Jehovah's. <laughs> All of a sudden, their numbers are going to be booming. <laughs> they don't even have to knock on doors no, anymore. No. Jehovah's Witnesses' numbers will just fly. The numbers will be massive. Well, and listen, there are there are definitely those who have their hesitations to this and and uh, and who have done their research and don't feel comfortable. Um, but you know, the, the the fact of the matter is, this country is at eighty percent now yeah. uh, fully vaccinated, and if you are not. You're in the minority yeah. of it. And, and, and you find, I still see people posting stats that, you know, are, are just a bit askew in the sense that they don't tell the entire story, right? right? Of course. You know, you know, oh, there's these healthcare workers that won't, won't take it. Well, like 90% have, right? Or 99% yeah. have. And sure, there are some that have their uh, objections for whatever their personal reasons are. But the fact of the matter is, is it's a public safety issue. And uh, and that's why this is going forward. I think there will be a lot of people, Craig, who will look at this and right away think, "Well, I can't wait for this lawsuit, right? Right? right. And 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 see what legal channels uh, will bring because that's been a lot of the talk too. Well, ah, this will never hold up in court. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the Supreme Court is the one who will oversee this, and uh, and we'll find out very soon whether or not there'll be any recourse to it. I don't think so. And I am one hundred percent behind the vaccine and i believe in science and i believe the doctors my only ongoing rub in all of this is now that we're at 88 percent one vax and 82 percent double vax at what stage can the masks come off and can we get back to whatever normal will be or is this just normal now is this it because it feels to me like the gold posts keep getting moved and it feels to me like with the variants you know, you got Delta, you might have another one coming. Is this just how we live now that we can never get out of this bloody thing? Because the goalpost was like 80%. Now it's, I guess, 90 We're never going to get to 100%. Does this just mean we're living with masks for the rest of our lives? Uh, I think you're... I don't think for the rest of our lives. I think that's, you know, an exaggeration on it. I, th- I think... They're not going away anytime soon because there's a, a still a big section of the population. That 80% are those who are eligible. You mm. still got a lot of kids mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and people who are not eligible yet to get the vaccine. And and that's why the school cases are such an issue right now. And asymptomatic testing is a big part of it because you got to find out whether or not these young kids who don't necessarily show symptoms, mm-hmm. right, uh, but can still spread the virus to those that it could affect. Uh, make it a bit tougher uh, to, so when the to kids, gauge the numbers. When the kids get vaccinated, when it's finally uh, available for them, and we get them all vaccinated, yeah, uh, this will eventually go back to normal. Like like I the pandemics know. in the past, we eventually go back we to hope. normal. Yeah, we hope. That that's my only concern. It just doesn't. There, you know, we can't. We always used to say, "Oh, the vaccine's coming. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel." That tunnel seems to me to still be a long ways yeah, away. But I think a lot of people were sprinting to the end of that tunnel right. when when people were warning that okay, the vaccines are coming, but it's not going to end it immediately. Right, and you know, unless everyone gets it, and, and, and it's just not going to happen that quickly. I know we want. Listen, we all want to get there, mm. uh, but you know, we're. 
we're slowly getting there because we're dragging a lot of people yeah. along with us, too. Yep, no, a lot of kicking and screaming along the way. Anyhow, that's the deal. Uh, if you work in any sort of federally uh, governed business, if you're overseen by the Fed government uh, by the end of the month, it looks like if you aren't double vaxxed, you're going to miss a paycheck, two, three, or maybe lose your gig. A match.com released some uh, teaser highlights from its annual singles study, which comes out later this fall. And they found sex with roommates has surged during the pandemic. Right. Especially with young people. In the past year, many Gen Zers and millennials who are single have gotten it on with a non-romantic roommate for the first time. Meaning someone they live with but aren't dating. On average, single people have made out with one person in the last year. So some have made out with more than that. And some haven't kissed anyone. Half of single people have had sex in the past year, but only 8% have had a one-night stand during the pandemic. Right. Yeah, a little, a little tougher, you'd think. Yeah. Most single people will now wait at least three dates before getting it on with oh, someone. My goodness. That's shocking. Three minutes, I thought. <laughs> Your name is... It doesn't matter. It'll take too long. Get naked. Almost half of single people who have slept with someone in the past 12 months say they've faked it in bed... And this is hard to believe, but more men said yes than women. How to faking a, it? Yeah, how does a man fake it? <sighs> Difficult. Well, I, I guess, no, I don't know. Well, well, no, if you're using protection, which you should be on a... Okay, on a, but what happens after you've had it? When you've had your moment, right? you usually, you know, go... right. Well, Down. Maybe, maybe you just run to the bathroom and hmm. put your clothes back on and leave. Another reason why I'm so glad I'm married. I just don't have sex. So there's no. That's just not an issue. No. <laughs> uh, only half, around half of Match.com users say their ideal relationship right now would be a committed one, preferring that to a friends with benefits scenario. Okay. Many of singles, uh, many single people say sex is less important to them than it used to be. What is going on? Well, it's more readily available, I guess. Yeah, perhaps. Although it doesn't sound like a lot of people, they haven't been getting no. it on a heck no. of a lot through all of this. No, what's going on? Sexting has taken a hit during the pandemic. At least the photos have. A third of people said they sent uh, fewer nudes than they were sending before, which is probably a good thing. Probably. Even self, uh, self-pleasuring self has seen a, a, a bump up. One in three people who are single say their self-loving skills have improved during the pandemic. <laughs> skills. <laughs> You've been working on it since puberty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there are moments in life, and we've said this before, Think uh, when you have a first that you can never have again, <laughs> like the first time you realized your junk did that... <laughs> Like, you've had it between your legs for probably 14 years, 13 years or something, and all of a sudden you start fiddling with it a bit. You're like, wow. So that's what it's yeah. for. Yeah. I remember one of my boys, I think it was David, who took me aside one day to, because, like, one of the first times he had ever gotten, like, an erection. Just shocked. Like, what, what's, what's happening here? I go, son, <laughs> you're going to love that one day. Uh, almost all vax singles want their partner to be vaccinated as well. 
Half of unvaccinated singles said they don't care either way. Yeah, okay. I, I would think vaccination status uh, right now is like a dating deal breaker, I would think. Wow, but hang on. What was that second satellite? Half? So almost all vax singles want their partner to be vaccinated as well. Right. Half of unvaccinated okay. singles say they don't care. Gotcha. Yeah. But, wow. but the number one status, uh, the number one deal breaker in dating is your vaccin- vaccination status. Right. This is sad. Number two, politics. My goodness. Now we're to the stage where you won't bump uglies <laughs> with someone who doesn't see government the way you do. It's always a good day when Teddy Reader joins us. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Lucky. Morning, Teddy. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Beautiful day, you know? Yeah, it's mild. Getting ready for a long weekend. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is uh, almost upon us. And we were just saying before you joined us that this might be for many people the first time in a couple of years, almost, that they, uh, they're they going to be serving a bird again uh, with the COVID and the pandemic and people weren't able to get together. So many families and friends will gather this weekend to, uh, to talk and share the bird. And uh, my son, my oldest, uh, him and I were talking about preparing a, a turkey this weekend and we were discussing how we were going to do it. And he mentioned a, a dry brine, which I had never heard of. And you have always been very fond of the wet brine. So what's the difference? What's better? How do you do a dry uh, versus a wet brine? All right. It's pretty, uh, well, it's pretty self-explanatory in the sense that one is wet, one is dry. Mm -hmm. Uh, A wet brine is a a mixture of water as the base, salt, and a little bit of sugar in there, or other sweetness could come from honey or maple syrup if you'd like to add that in there. You add in some aromatics, fresh herbs, garlic, chopped up onions, um, Maybe some orange, some lemon chopped up, mix it in, some apple juice. And you take your turkey, you put it in and submerge it in this brine and let it sit for 24 hours. Okay. And it's a bit it's a bit messy, mm-hmm. but it works rather well. And what it does is it gets the flavor and adds moisture into the meat as it soaks in that wet brine. But it's a bit messy. Mm. A dry brine is a little bit easier to do, but it takes a little bit longer. And the larger your bird, the longer it takes. And so it's, again, a mixture of salt, sugar, and then you can add other flavorings and aromatics in there. Let's say chopped fresh sage or savory or fresh thyme, uh, garlic, onion, maybe some orange zest, uh, things like that that you can mix. Pinch of cinnamon if you'd like, salt, uh, some black pepper. Okay. You take that mixture and you rub it all over the bird and on the inside of the cavity. Put lots of it in there, okay? Rub the entire bird. Okay. Put it on a rack and put it in your refrigerator, and you're going to let that sit there for two to three to four days, depending wow. on the size of the wow. bird. The bird, so, won't, the bird won't go bad. Uh, if it's a, Obviously, it's a fresh bird. You can't do this with a frozen, but um, it, the bird won't go, uh, won't go off. It won't go off. No, okay. no, no. Okay. And turkey's got a good shelf life okay. as long as it's refrigerated. You got to leave it on your counter for four days. You might as well call the doctor. But <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Put yeah. the damn bird in the fridge, right. Craig. Okay. Put the bird in the fridge. All right. Okay. Now, uh, Taylor, are you leaving this brine on when you cook it then? No, you brush it off just beforehand. 
All right. And uh, you can give your, your bird a rinse if you want because it, it will be a little bit salty on them if you just do it as it is. Mm. So rinse it out, pat it dry, and then do a little bit more seasoning and then roast it like you would or put it in your smoker or put it in your grill and do it up. But the dry brine is a great way to get flavor in there. It, it, it extracts the moisture from the bird but then uh, puts it back in and breaks down the, um, the fibers in the meat and making it more tender. Okay, because I was going to ask... You can do a dry brine on like a tomahawk steak as well. Right. But, uh, but, but it wouldn't be as long. It seems odd because the turkey is such... Uh, we're so consumed with not drying out this bird that it would seem, you know, that the wet brine would automatically be the go-to to try and get more moisture into it. Yeah, it is, and and but the dry brine is, is a little bit easier to do okay. and not as much to clean up. Where you're doing something with a wet brine is uh, where are you going to put this big bucket with the bird in it in a refrigerator? It's harder to make it fit. Right, and it can make a Some mess. Some people do it in a large bag, like a giant Ziploc bag, mm-hmm. but it, it takes up more space where... If you dry brine it and put it on a rack and put it in your fridge, it fits a little bit easier, and you don't have to worry about it as much. And just look at it. I would say for, uh, let's say, a 15-pound bird, you're looking at a three-day brine. Okay. Yeah, and it's interesting because as we talked about this last night in the dry brine, my son had suggested he had read somewhere just use salt. Put salt all over it, about a teaspoon per pound is what he thought the uh, was the call. And you rub it all in, but he read that you don't rinse it off. And I thought, ooh, isn't that bird going to be very salty? But can you can you go without rinsing it or you should rinse you, it? You can, but I mean, you're, you're taking the risk that it could be a little bit too salty right, for you. Right, right. Um, and if you're going to stuff that bird, you're going to want to remove the, the salt from the inside of the right, cavity right. because uh, you're just going to put all that salt into your stuffing. Right. Okay. Very good. And so, then, you know, yeah. I, I personally, I, I would rinse it after okay. dry brining it and then pat it dry really well with paper towel and then uh, and then go to stuffing it and then roasting it. And then finally, Ted, uh, the battle between fresh or frozen uh, I've normally gone with a frozen bird, but I thought I would get a fresh one this year. I guess fresh always better. Is a fro- Does a frozen bird lose something to it because it's frozen? Not really, no. No? no. It's okay. just got when you need to thaw it, and a frozen bird uh, thawed in the refrigerator can take three to four days to mm-hmm. do, depending on the size again. Um, you don't want to just leave it out on the counter in a big sink and go, okay, I'll pick you up in a couple of days. <laughs> Not a good uh, health safety rule no. thing to do. <laughs> right. You, you want to keep it safe. But, um, you know, uh, a fresh bird is always lovely, but uh, frozen birds work just as well. Just okay. make sure you thaw them. And if it's uh, a frozen bird that's come stuffed, well, then you cook that bird from frozen. Oh, okay. Very good. Good to okay. know. All right. Very good to know. But a frozen bird, you should, if you're if you're going to do the stuffing, then you should thaw it. Okay. And uh, finally, we are looking forward to tomorrow as uh, we do the 100-hole hike for uh, Golf Ontario, Golf Canada, and Youth on Course. And you, just like last year, being generous enough to uh, serve up breakfast to all the golfers. Looking forward to that. What are you serving tomorrow morning, Ted? Oh, uh, we're going to have ourselves uh, a breakfast sandwich, a little uh, sausage patty, some uh, craft beer bacon on top of that, some fried egg, 
Uh, we're just going to make it a tasty, tasty sandwich, get the boys and girls uh, off uh, at 8.30 for the first tee-off and 100 holes, and then uh, we'll feed you a little lunch as well as you're uh, having a good day out there. Okay, well, I'm going to uh, pre-order. I'd like mine all uh, selectively done. I want to pick my cheeses, uh, <laughs> make sure I've got the right amount of bacon on there. I want to run through this, but I don't want it to run through me. <laughs> got it, got it, yeah, like we're paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daddy. Yeah, you'll get what we give you, and you'll just be fine, okay? It'll be perfect. Maybe you'll have some onion ring poutine. Oh, That'll be one of the features go. this week. That'll okay? be his award. Perfect. Um, Teddy Reader for Holinda's Meats. Ted, if uh, people want to get a hold of you to talk grill and getting their bird ready for Thanksgiving or anything else, how do they do that? Uh, you're going to find me at the Joint Barbecue or at Ted Grills on social media. Well, this will make Trump's hair spin. This is the type of stuff that would drive him crazy. Forbes released its annual list of the 400 wealthiest Americans, and for the first time in 25 years, Trump isn't on it. Wow. And uh, he would have made it onto the list once again if he had only listened to ethics officials. They actually urged him to sell his real estate assets when he won the election. You know what? Democrats should start that. Fake he didn't really win. <laughs> I mean, anyhow, uh, these uh, these uh, ethics officials urged him to sell his real estate assets after he won the election because they presented a potential conflict of interest. But, of course, Trump ignored them. Unfortunate for him, those assets tanked during the pandemic, causing Trump's net worth to drop by $600 million. He missed the Forbes list by $400 million. So it's the, the list of the top how many? Richest people in America, 400. Richest. Top 400. Because yeah. to make that list, you need about $3 billion. Mm. So there's 400 people in America with $3 billion or more. Yeah. If he had listened to his advisors and sold those properties, then invested that money, he would be 80% richer than he is today. Forbes says his refusal to divest cost him about $2 billion. Wow. Jeff Bezos is still the richest man in America with $201 billion. Elon Musk is second with $190.5 billion. Right. So it is it's still shocking that the, uh, the Oompa Loompa is still worth that much dough. Yeah. I well, know that the story goes that in Trump Tower in New York City, like almost all the offices outside of his are vacant now. Mostly due to COVID and other... Mm-hmm. Or maybe there's reasons, too, why some companies don't well, want to be aligned with them. A lot of money left in that war chest. Oh, yeah. And and listen, to, and people around him are raking in money, too, mm-hmm. right? It's not, he didn't just take care of himself. No. No, certainly. And he still uh, leads, the, uh, leads the Republican Party. So we will uh, see what happens as that uh, we're not far off to. Because in America, it's just an election cycle constantly. Like the midterms aren't that far away. Right, yeah. And then it'll be full on into election fever for 2024. Anyhow, makes me giggle that he's not on that list. That That's the stuff, you know, outside of, of, him, of him making phone calls to defend the, uh, what was the, the uh, what did they call his uh, penis? Mushroom-shaped penis or whatever. They, <laughs> that they, What's her name? The poor porn star uh, referred to right, as. Right, Stormy. And he was calling off of like Air Force One. You got to tell them it's not shaped like a mushroom. That that and this will drive him crazy. Rock mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.